Just a heads up before we start today's episode, we talk about substance abuse and addiction. So if that's something you don't want to deal with right now, then feel free to come back to this episode once you are in a better state of mind. Or if you perhaps need help, there is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. It is a free, confidential, 24-7, every day of the year, treatment, referral, and information service available in English and Spanish. There is also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or if talking isn't your thing, you can text HOME to 741741, and that gets you to the crisis text line. Because you're worth it and you should take care of yourself. And what better way to take care of yourself than enjoy this podcast, right? That's not too shoehorned in, right? The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Just so I can try to get the voice. I, I, every time like I listen to you too, it's kind of like, okay, yes, okay, I know this voice is hannah and i know this voice is lily and then you know the next time i listen to you guys it's like oh i forget again and then it kind of get going it's like okay okay i know which one is is who <laughs> yeah i guess our, our accents aren't wildly different are they we're very yeah, yeah. southern received pronunciation british <laughs> yes <laughs> that, that's hannah by the way i'm hannah yes. <laughs> yeah lily is me and i probably okay, giggle okay. more irritatingly if that is helpful. I don't know. I think I'm a bit of a giggler too. <laughs> I'll try not to, because when I listen to other people's podcasts, it really irritates me. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you, Brandon. So um, how are you on the, are you um, uh, an explicit podcast? Do you sort of do yeah, you swear or do you <clears throat> prefer not to? Well, with this song, I think you kind of have to. <laughs> right. We are going to have oh, to. Oh, God, yeah. Good it. point. Yeah. <laughs> I just wondered, if, is there any kind of words? Oh, no. We're oh, fairly no, no. liberal with the, <laughs> with the oh. use of well, anything I know. we can think of, really. <laughs> I, I know, especially be... with England, you, you you toss around the C word a lot, or at least that's how uh, we kind of uh, see you guys as. I think we've avoided that so we, far. Yeah, we? that's a biggie. That's not what we we use at all. <laughs> and I think we say uh, we say the word twat differently to you. I think you say twat, which we find yeah. really amusing. <laughs> and for ages on TV and movies, I had absolutely no idea what people were talking about. Maybe we should try and deliberately throw in some very British swears this. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're very fond of bollocks. Bollocks, yeah. yeah. That's a very yeah. nice... Bell ends, I'm quite, <laughs> quite partial to. We say dickhead a lot. Should we England. try and have a British swear word bingo? <laughs> I know uh, the, the only cockney rhyming slang I know is uh, burke. That's uh, all I know, but I don't think that's been used past the uh, 19th century. Right. Yeah, no, it's quite tame as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's but like a kind try. word for a yeah. fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> Plonker, is that very British? I mean, yeah. it's not a swear, is it? It is if you watch um, Only Fools and Only Horses. Fools and horses yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Well, yeah, it sounds very charming to me. So, of course, it's like, oh, yeah, that's got to be British. It's like, oh. Plonker, pillock. Pillock, yeah. <laughs> Rodney, you pillock. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to Season 7, Episode 2 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. 
I'm your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, my guests and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the Riot Act track, Save You, with guests Lily and Hannah from the Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast, a podcast, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hello. Hi, hello. Uh, let's see. We're talking about Save You, a song written by the band. Mike kind of came up with the main riff and Ed, of course, wrote the lyrics for it. Uh, they first played it, I guess, on November 14th for a Letterman taping that wouldn't air until the next day, the uh, the 15th, where most people saw it uh, first, but then they played it as a band uh, for the first time in front of people at the first Showbox show on December 5th, 2002. Uh, before we get too much into it, though, we need to know a little bit more about the guests. So, uh, Hannah... I'm going to ask you, uh, since uh, we have you here and you volunteered, uh, Hannah, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Right, okay. I I knew you were going to ask me this, and I know it's a very simple question, but I don't have a particularly (laughs) simple answer. Um, I don't remember the exact time and place or the first song that I heard, Um, but I guess it would have been something off 10 or verses because I would have been around 13 or 14 at the time, judging from the the pictures as I look back at my mum's old photo albums because I'm wearing my one of my favourite T-shirts, my live Stickman Mm T-shirt. And um, my mum really hated that t-shirt and all my other oversized band t-shirts like i'm quite a small short person short ass we'd say petite she's very kind but yeah i have um a lot of photos of uh, you know me scowling at the camera and my mum's you know tried to put me in front of a beautiful backdrop of hanging baskets or something in our garden <laughs> you know in the sunshine but i'm there in all my dark clothes and my you know my alive t-shirt and my khaki combats and my tank girl dms my 14 hole dms you know and a little padlock that i used to wear around my neck as well because i was punk you know, oh just yeah ridiculous <laughs> um but yeah so there's a lot of photos you know of, of me being 13 or 14 with my nirvana and, and pearl jam and smashing pumpkin shirts but yeah like i listened to 10 and verses religiously at that age I don't think I actually owned the um, the official Versus um, release until much later, but I had a really dodgy pirate copy called Five Against One that I bought um, for a few pesos in a uh, in a Mexican street market, and it had some extra demo tracks on it. Mm-hmm. But then I do remember very distinctly uh, waiting for Vitalogy to come out and buying it after school from my local record shop, Capital Records, on Marlow High Street, uh, which was just around the corner from my school. And, you know, it was so special coming home and opening up the, you know, the amazing sort of medical book packaging. It was, you know, so different at the time, really cool. Although eventually I did find it really annoying because it didn't fit properly in my CD rack. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just, um, yeah, not the right size. You got to fit it in kind of sideways. Yeah, exactly. And... It wasn't quite right. And also you couldn't see the spine properly like you could with the other ones yeah. if you wanted to alphabetize your collection. <clears throat> not that I'm the kind of person that would do that. <clears throat> or colour code them. Uh, yeah, it was a bit difficult. But anyway, yeah, I love Vitalogy too. Not quite as much as Ten and Verses. And then, you know, I'm afraid I am one of those one of those fans that did just drift off a bit after that. You know, my sort of friendship 
group at school we all liked a lot of the same bands we all really loved REM Radiohead Nirvana but I was the only one that really got into Pearl Jam for some reason you know and at that time at that age we were too young to to see bands live still and uh, you know so I was too young to see them on the Versus tour that Lily did go to Uh, and then there wasn't a Vitalogy European leg and then by Mm -hmm. no code you know I'd kind of lost interest and moved on to other things for a bit but then a few years later, when I was 17, I met my now husband and he wasn't into the same music as me at all, really. He, he was much more into his hip hop and like Tripod Quest, Jurassic 5, bands like that. But he had been introduced to um, Pearl Jam and particularly Pearl Jam's MTV Unplugged uh, by a friend. And we discovered um, quite early on in our in our relationship that we had a shared love of state of love and trust and that kind of it sounds really soppy but that kind of became our song you know in inverted commas uh and it was played at our wedding and you know really cheesy but yeah so we you know we still have a, a thing for uh for, for that and then you know Lily, uh, you know my origin story kind of relates to the origin story of um of the podcast that Lily and I do. We we met through our boys at school a few years ago. Um, and, you know, it was amazing when we discovered that we had this mutual love for Pearl Jam and State of Love and Trust too. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how how this has all come about, really. And uh, yours is like uh, one of the uh, pandemic podcasts that have come out, uh, <laughs> being locked up at home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we, we've, been, we've been talking about it for quite a while. Like, oh, you know, we, we you know discovered some of the Pearl Jam podcasts and... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we thought it would be a fun thing to do, but I think the pandemic was the thing that kind of really spurred us on to actually do it. I mean, what else were we going to do? We couldn't do our weekly hula hooping classes or, <laughs> or go to the pub anymore. Yeah, we, we so, ran out of, of excuses of yeah. why we couldn't quite get to that. So <laughs> Yeah. And we had to learn a lot of technology, which we really were not familiar with, were we? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was all the excitement of like the tour and um, yeah, because we went back, Mm -hmm. we went to see them uh, in Rome in 2018. Oh, cool. Which was amazing. And then, yeah, like we couldn't, you know, we we couldn't wait for Gigaton to come out and, you know, like I'm sure you were the same. Yeah, like all that excitement and then the tour and, you know, all the stress of like, oh my God, are we going to get tickets? And, you know, where should we try and see them in Europe? And then, you know, you know, we were were, were still saving up for like the North American tour, leg leg of the tour when that happened. But yeah, we'd booked to see them in Hyde Park. That then got cancelled. So we then had the stress of like having to, because it was the only date that was cancelled as opposed to rescheduled for the following year. But then we did manage to get tickets. For yeah, the we had to go through that whole yeah. drama again of what if we don't get tickets? Oh, it was so stressful. Um, but yeah, we got tickets to see them at both of the Hyde Park dates with Idols and Pixies. And then we also booked to see them in, what was it, Prague? Prague, right? yeah. And obviously, yeah, that's not going to happen for another year as well. Again, but it will happen next year, right? Yeah, it'll be the most built up tour <laughs> no yeah. demand i reckon when it finally happens <laughs> and it's hardly like we're the we're the only people who are waiting for this to happen so it's keeping us going and give you a chance to uh to save up some money for uh for all the merch right yeah yeah yeah, yeah we've got some seattle plans hopefully as well Ooh. yeah one day we'll <laughs> hannah's obviously hannah's been everywhere so she's already visited but i've never been so it's I mean, going to be a mecca type yeah, trip and we made some plans to like do some live recordings of like little mini interviews and stuff with fans at the gigs when we eventually get there so, yeah we hope so all good fun 
And uh, Hannah, that Stickman shirt, is that the one that has like a set list or something like that on the back? Like a kind of yellow paper looking thing with like some tape? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although I'm, I'm sad to say that <laughs> I, I actually ended up cutting it up. And um, when I had my first child, for some reason, I thought I'd have loads of time on my hands and I was mm -hmm. going to make a patchwork quilt yeah. of like all my old band t-shirts that I didn't really wear anymore so I've got half a patchwork, patchwork <laughs> quilt in my loft um and at the beginning of the pandemic I thought great I'm gonna have I mean obviously not great like you know it's <laughs> pandemic's a shit <laughs> you, look, you were looking on the bright side but yeah I thought oh you know all this spare time that I'm gonna have I will finish that patchwork quilt that I started seven years ago have I fuck no <laughs> still in the loft <laughs> But yeah, so I still have my Pajan t-shirt. It's just kind of, yeah, not wearable anymore. One day I will be able to snuggle under it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, 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 uh, I don't know if other people got this from, from listening to this, but you, you, you guys uh, talk a little bit different than, than some of the other people that I've, I've had. Uh, where, where are you two from? Are you referring to our British accents? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly British. Oh, is that what that is? Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, we're from uh, the south coast of England, uh, near a city called Brighton. We're in Hove, actually. So it's the <laughs> oh, city yes. of, of Brighton and Hove, but there's a bit of a thing. If you're a Hovian, it's Hove, actually, but technically we are the same city. Brighton is a bit more famous. But uh, yeah, we're here. We're here to talk about uh, "Save You," uh, which was the second single from Riot Act. Uh, they had the B-side "Other Side" on with it. Uh, I think one of the notable things about the Letterman appearance that I mentioned uh, at the beginning is this was the introdu introduction of the uh, of the cuff me. <laughs> Uh, in this word oh, yeah. or in the song there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fucks in it yes I would have to argue with you that that's not the most notable thing about that performance though Brandon that is Eddie's worst hair period ever <laughs> the most notable thing about that performance is his bouffant like what was going on with his hairdo there it was just preposterous yeah, well, I think it looks a bit hot brushed. <laughs> I think um, this is uh, you, you, this was also one of the songs that they recorded for their Chop Suey sessions. So there's uh, an official video mm -hmm. of that, and Ed has shorter hair in that. So I think he was just in the the very uncomfortable period of yeah, yeah it's kind of you know <laughs> should have gotten a haircut maybe a couple months before but maybe he's like oh, i'm gonna let it grow out some more so it's in the very awkward period that probably a lot of us have gone through during a pandemic of uh <laughs> of not being able to get a haircut and the hair yeah, is just like kind of uh it's getting too long but it doesn't look good because it's not longer or I know I've uh, I definitely went through that. My hair kind of uh, very poofy and uh, just can't do anything <laughs> with. But now it's 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 the longest I think it's ever been. And now it's kind of laying flat and it's kind of oh, wow. I've never had hair like this before. Because <laughs> you always got a curl in it like uh, like Vedder's as well. Oh, it's more curly than that. Uh, I, f I feel you. I got curly hair too, so uh, I know exactly. <laughs> I've grown out a crop before. It wasn't. It wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took, a, took a long time. Lot, lots of headscarf. Poofy is the great is, is the word for it though to describe him in 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 that particular performance. I was watching it with my husband last night, 
and actually all of the bands don't look great jeff jeff looks all right actually because he's wearing a beanie you can't see his hair but like mike's got like a dyed sort of burgundy crop and you described his trousers Plaid as pants. Probably, yeah or bay city rollers pants as lily described <laughs> but my husband said they all of them just look like the management team at microsoft and i think that's <laughs> spot on that's what they look like <laughs> apart from matt he just looks like matt today yeah, yeah. he doesn't have a change. Yeah. he hasn't changed at all and boom is hiding off in the back you can't even really see him all that much yeah i didn't even notice him yeah, this was, um, I think this was sort of the first foray, wasn't it, for Boom and the band, this kind of period. This where he got transported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the first album that he was on. Um, I think that th- this song is very punk-inspired. People will say, uh, I-, I think that especially being the second song on the album, you're listening to it and you're like, oh, yeah. It's like yeah. I think it got a lot of people's hopes up that, oh, this is going to be a really rocking album. It's... Everybody's trying to recapture the, oh, they're getting back to the old sound. They're getting uh, hard and heavy and raucous again. And it's kind of like the rest of the album. Uh, not really like that. But this I, this was the uh, the most played song on this album uh, live. So it's uh, it really hit them too. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's a real return to form. It almost, I almost feel like it, it belongs on Lightning Bolt more than it does on this album. But in no way is that a bad thing. Yeah, it's a banger. Be for bangers. Look for that in your uh, podcast app. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brandon. (laughs) I don't think it's... That one's not about Pearl Jam, sadly. We'll slip you a tenner onto the table later. I know know none of us like to admit this, but there were a few other bands around at the time, and (laughs) sometimes we have to talk about them, but we always love doing a Pearl Jam pod. Yeah, we waiting for the... uh... Maybe shoegaze episode or going through the C eighty six tape <laughs> if uh or if that's a little bit too too old for the uh not necessarily the nineties, right? Or Yeah, I definitely think Hannah could put together a shoegazy. <laughs> I don't know why you have me. You love <laughs> it. Shoegazer. You're into that, you know you are. She's more of the shoegaze manix, you know. Well, I'll never say yeah. ever. She's, she's manics the indie girl. shoegaze. <laughs> 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 Manic's a punk. Slip some more Punk AF. <laughs> uh, well, they're your thing anyway, <laughs> and it's a good job too because yeah, we definitely where we meet in the middle is is where Pearl Jam is at for sure. Yeah, so it's a you know our first true love type situation. So yeah, uh, let's see. One of the stories they've had uh, about the song is uh, Matt lost his headphones halfway through recording it. Yeah, that's amazing. And then he watched Jeff's fingers as he played bass. To... What a talent. Yeah. What a talent. <laughs> he's a man. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, he's um, he, he is incredible. He seems to really be the glue, I think, that holds them all kind of together. He's sort of the voice of reason and the rational kind of, mm-hmm. we can figure this out. I don't know. That's how it seems to come across, really, especially as, I guess, the drumming situation has been so incredibly divisive for them. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, plus uh, Matt's songwriting too. I think that he's contributed, you know, some weirder sounding songs, just time signature kind of sound gardeny sound sounding songs that people kind of uh don't really sound like Pearl Jam or whatever. But I think that everybody in the band really is like, yeah. oh yeah, let's do something new. Let's let's you know challenge ourselves so we're not doing the same thing over and over again. I think that really revitalized them uh, as a band as well, so especially seeing as how Riot Act is their longest, you know. The, the most songs on an album too so they just really got into it i think at this time well that's the thing like what is the pearl jam 
sound. I mean, there is an unmistakable Pearl Jam sound, but it's also lots of sounds, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. they're constantly changing and evolving. Yeah, I mean, probably they hate the fact that most people would say the first two albums are their true sound because yeah, it seems me. like they're always trying to distance themselves <laughs> yeah. from that and I totally understand it's like I think we talked about it on our pod but like it's like David Bowie getting to a certain point and saying right I'm doing this big gig and I'm going to do a couple of dates and I'm going to play all those songs from those last three or four albums and then I'm never playing them live again because I've got to move on mm-hmm. and it just gets tired and you know I, I really respect that as well I mean I don't want Pearl Jam to ever do that exactly um, I can, I you know, not I'm not a musician or anything, but I can imagine it's kind of wearing to to be churning out, you know, something from so long ago that maybe you just don't feel necessarily the same connection. But I, I mean, I guess Eddie Vedder's always said as well. It's you know, when you get to that stage, you can look out into the crowd and you can see how people are responding and kind of find a fresh reason to carry mm-hmm. on and see that particular track in a different way and maybe seeing people from like completely different generations enjoying it in a different way and on a different level so i guess it, it could work both ways depending on your perspective yeah yeah i think that's probably one of the reasons why they also play the songs a little bit faster live too because i mean if you've played a song you know 500 times or something like that and it seems kind of a little bit slow it's kind of like okay let's get this over with come on this you know let's (laughs) i don't have the same energy as i did you know 20 years ago when i was playing this song so let's kind of put a little bit more energy play it a little bit faster um this song they play a little bit faster live uh because i think matt can hear everything yeah his headphones are falling off i think he gets the blame actually quite a lot for that doesn't he they're like oh it's him you can't you know hang back and feel the groove like maybe dave a could and you know he's not that he's not that dude but you know maybe maybe we wouldn't have pearl jam uh anymore if it wasn't for matt cameron so only given that (laughs) if if we ever get through this and see them again like i'm just i don't know about you and the rest of the the Pearl Jam uh, world, but God, I'm just hoping nothing bad happens to them, aren't you? Oh, no God. one breaks a leg. <laughs> I've even contemplated that. Stop. Oh, you're bringing it up now. Oh, stop, geez. stop. <laughs> no, I'm bringing it up. No, I'm bringing it up so it doesn't happen. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Indemnifying the entire thing by talking about it, not jinxing us. Right. Yeah, we've got to get through another year. Oh, so hard. Yeah, so, so I guess then to, to kind of get the, the jinx out of the way and knock knock wood or whatever i don't know what uh if if uh england has a different sort of uh thing like that i know germany is pressed thumbs no we knock on wood no, we, we touch wood oh okay, oh, we touch wood wood okay. oh i just knocked but i'm touching oh touch wood gently. okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes you're not as violent as the americans you just touch it you don't <laughs> assault it <laughs> The uh, oh this the song it's got the bass breakdown in the middle and Ed will start clapping live and you kind of uh, uh, notice how many white people are there because they can't keep time. With the clap. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just what I notice is they'll start off fine and then they'll, they'll start to lose. It's like no, come on, come on, you can do it. Let's see. That happens at, at every gig I've even been to. Yeah, where, where, where that clapping thing is encouraged and people just get a bit carried away. <laughs> I'm one of those. I've got no rhythm whatsoever. 
but yeah, it's the kind of song that you just want to jump around to. I've been listening to it in my kitchen a lot, trying to get the kids to uh, jump around with me. Yeah, it's also Eddie's like... <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's right. He says uh, fuck a lot in it. Uh-oh. I mean, maybe yeah. you kids might be a little bit older. And no, she's okay no. She's one of those oh, okay. families. No, I'm just kidding. She isn't. <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're incredibly well-spoken. I've never... Never heard an expletive coming from their mouths. <laughs> One of their favourite, the boys then. My, my daughter's really into Pearl Jam. She's four. She's got great taste. I haven't actually broken it to her that I haven't bought her a ticket. <laughs> she knows that I'm <laughs> going to see Pearl Jam whenever they make it in. Maybe you will. But um, she doesn't know that I haven't got a ticket for her yet. But no, the boys love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but particularly um, Californication. Mm-hmm. And that was they, they were well probably around four when they were introduced to that and it was fine because you know they didn't understand the lyrics at all and now you know they know all the words and that <laughs> hardcore soft porn bit is just really awkward yeah. <laughs> they're kind of like mumbling along to that and i'm kind of like talking really loudly over it about something <laughs> else but the beauty of eddie is that you know well many many jokes have been yeah. made about his um Difficult to decipher lyrics, so it's actually pretty safe. He's just saying, cuff you kids. <laughs> <laughs> and here's Lester, and I can prove it. Yeah, I think it's that intensity. It's that, like, old Eddie screaming, you know, that kind of barely concealed rage thing that probably puts us back in that maybe 10 era mm. versus era. Of course, I do love a song with a good swear word in it. There just is something, particularly the F word. I just think some of my favourites, well, going back to the Manix, actually, they've got some great F word songs, but... I don't know, it just really works in it. The <laughs> coffee doesn't quite do it for me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I have read that, that, that Eddie said that um, in this song in particular, he uses it as a term of endearment and talks, well, I've got the quote here somewhere. He says, really it is, especially when you're a little bit frustrated. It's just something I've experienced a number of times and it came out quick. I couldn't figure out any other word besides fucker that had the same impact. And yeah, sometimes you just you just need that word. Well, it's coming from major frustration yeah, isn't yeah. It, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people have said, I think mostly because um, when you look at the lyric book, Mike is on the opposite side of the lyrics. It's like, oh, it's a song about Mike. And then some people say, it's like, oh, you know, this is right around when Lane Staley died. So maybe it's about him. And I think Ed has kind of said, it's, you know, it's it's just seeing so many people just through your life kind of disappear into addiction and just get pulled from the undertow into it and being frustrated about it and it is very frustrating to see somebody go through something and not know how to help them but then also you kind of have to realize too at some point is that if somebody needs help sometimes they don't want it you know especially if they are very down and deep and just in the mindset of wanting to throw it all away possibly that you know no matter what you can do besides calling them fucker you know locking them in a room just you know taking a hold of them and and you know physically restraining them so they can't go out and get a fix or you know do something like that to hurt themselves like there's not really much you can do if they're bent on it i think that's a lot of why people they say that you have to hit rock bottom you know when you're in an addiction to to realize that you need help then because you know, you, you get so far down, you're like, Oh, I don't want, (laughs) I don't want this. I don't want to, the only further down I can go is, you know, six feet into the ground. And, you know, I, I, I need help at that point. And that's when the only place you're going to be when you're going to be open to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think as well, like a lot of people don't necessarily feel that they have a problem. Like it takes 
it takes a rock bottom situation to even realize that actually what people are saying is true and you really do need help. And uh, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, that complete frustration with, I'm trying to help you. Mm -hmm. Why can't you help yourself? Um, I've, I mean, I've, I've, I've certainly read that perhaps it could be about uh, Jack Irons as well. I mean, obviously it's an amalgam kind of situation. Mm-hmm. but And then the album itself is dedicated to a few people that right, have addiction right. issues. Yeah. So, Didi Ramone and John N. Whistle of The Who and uh, Ray Brown, who you had facts about Ray Brown. Well, I think he died of natural causes, though. I think he was well into his 70s. Okay. So I think it just it just so happened he also died in the summer of 2002, and he was a, a respected um, musician. But um, I... Uh, oh, yes. He uh, was married to Ella Fitzgerald. Oh. Ray Brown. Fun fact. Uh, yeah, and he also played with Steely Dan, okay. who I also love. <laughs> Super fun fact. <laughs> that is not a popular <laughs> opinion for a lot of people, but... I love Steely Dan. I grew up listening to it. For me, that was exciting. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I know that track. It's amazing. It was Razor Boy, if anyone's interested. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I think I think we certainly love uh, an angry Vedder. Yeah, although track. do you think like do do you think he's angry in it? Like is he blaming the person that they just can't snap out of it? Or is he like I think he's understanding why you're so angry with someone because it's mm-hmm. your frustration. But of course, if you're not in that place, you can't understand, you know, and uh, people's reasons for, you know, various addictions are manifold. So, I mean, it's just anger at this situation and right. not being able to do anything about it. It's kind of the impotence. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. The helplessness. Impotence is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, you have the line, let's pick up your will, let's grow fat and lazy. I mean, the will could be, I don't know if it's necessarily will to live, but it also could be free will. Like you've given up your free will to this, you know, substance or something um, and and letting it control your life. Um, I think a lot of people, especially with, I I, I think, the American view of mental illness, uh, addiction being a disease, you might have a little bit uh, different view of it with the NIH in uh, in England with uh, as far as dealing with addiction and stuff like that. But it's like seen like a personal or moral failing that, you know, you're not a good person, which is why you're doing drugs, not necessarily like you have something wrong with you. And so you're trying to fix that with medication but the medication isn't uh isn't approved for that use you know drinking too much or substances and that sort of thing and it's seeing like well why don't you just snap out mm-hmm, of it like right. telling somebody with uh depression or something like that oh, just be happy you know it's kind of like well you don't say somebody with a broken leg just walk on it just be fine just heal or something you know exactly i was gonna say yeah that you could, could read it as something is also being about you know mental health issues and not being able to help someone who's suffering that way yeah i think it's really honest as well of him because obviously a lot of their tracks you know will deal with a problem just off the top of my head just thinking something like you know why go or something and just saying you know this is a problem and everyone should be aware of it and it's shitty or whatever but it's actually admitting that he, he has frustrations and that he's kind of wrong i guess in being so angry with somebody and yet he can't help it you know, so I think it's a kind of a vulnerability mm-hmm. there, which um, which I think is is pretty decent of him to to do because he's obviously he's someone that can think his way out of things, and I guess he does have a you know a different kind of will, and maybe it's difficult to understand why other people don't have that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's almost like a love song as well. To you know, well, I mean, he actually uses the words "my best friend," so you know, it, yeah, 
I don't know, Mike largely wrote it, you know, Mike had it has had his issues and Chris Cornell as well. And yeah, there's so many people that it could be about and probably is, yeah. A generalization <laughs> yeah. of it must right. have been so difficult being in a band, you know, particularly you know, in, in sort of the earlier part of the nineties when there, there, yeah, there were just so many people just collapsing left, right and centre. Mm-hmm. And it was a yeah, really dark period for them. We got some great music out of it, but just must have been really, really difficult. I, I think the the one thing I think of just because of uh, I don't know, my mind goes there, and I'm kind of uh, a a fan of comedy. Is you know, just the him saying "fuck me" is the uh, the movie super bad, and I know uh, Jonah Hill. Like I was like, "fuck me," right? <laughs> and kind of I think about that every time I hear that one. That line. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's what we call a bit of a sarky comment as well. Oh, well, fuck me for trying to help you, you know, start off then kind of thing. <laughs> I just yeah. try to imagine Joan Hill on David Letterman now jumping around to save you. <laughs> yeah, I've also mentioned, uh, uh, I said, uh, Jeff Amon, uh, just is going, this is, you know, he's going crazy in the song, especially, you know, you have the, uh, the, uh, the bridge, the, the breakdown part where he's going in there. There's also, um, boom. Is very has very sinister. I think organ going on there. They sound like a minor minor chords kind of sneaking in underneath the song that you know kind of sounds a little you know like punky and energetic and stuff. But then you have this. Ooh, you have the addiction, or you have the uh, the looming dread kind of floating underneath the the whole song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a kind of that yeah undercurrent of doom. That was fun. Poetic. It's funny how he, you know, I just, I I find the whole boom thing quite interesting because the whole band are very keen to say, you know, yeah, you know, he was jamming with Eddie and then Eddie just brought him over and he was like, guess who's joining our band? And they were like, cool, man. And I always think, did you though? (laughs) He didn't really (laughs) really say that. (laughs) He didn't know who Pearl Jam were though, did he? That is so so the story goes. I mean, one thing did like, you know, Eddie Vedder as a musician and everything. And, you know, he's obviously put out his own album, so... I don't know. Very good of the whole band if they really did say, fantastic, another opportunity to grow, you know. Yeah, yeah. That worked out well. Pretty cool guys if that's what really happened. (laughs) What you're insinuating. (laughs) Yeah, so I think especially somebody who's who's not like, oh yeah, I want to be famous. I want to join Pearl Jam. I want to, you know, have this huge lifestyle or something. It's just a guy who's just kind of a very normal older guy than everybody in the band who's just like yeah it's kind of cool you know i like playing music and hanging out with these guys and having fun you know on tour and stuff yeah, and he, then go home and seems like a nice guy doesn't he? yeah i'm very chill but i'm just wondering like from the band you know you've been in this band for a year and then suddenly this bloke crops up you know yeah <laughs> is it like, is it, i, don't I know, just wonder about it's it, like you know? kurt cobain bringing pat smear on <laughs> maybe not quite the same well i think they were all sort of fans of what was he the germs that kind of mm. that band maybe of him as well just kind of like oh yeah you know he gives us some punk credibility or some you know freedom because he's playing guitar too but then also sort of like oh you know he's like a real punk guy he's like uh authentic you know and where you know you have foo fighters bringing in, in third fourth guitar players yeah. and you know a keyboard guy and stuff like that and you're just yeah. kind of like oh okay well that's... but it's a slightly different generation as well like pat was quite a bit older as no yeah 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 can you imagine though 
like 1991 Pearl Jam with a keyboardist, like it just wouldn't have no. worked at all. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dance of the Clairvoyance in 1991, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> well, not, that, not the music, but like, do you know what I mean? Just even yeah. the kind of, oh no, the, the whole band setup and the image. But maybe, you know, maybe it is so kind of fractious at times that they need these people to be the kind of smashing a keyboard over a drum kit and... just doesn't it just doesn't work quite yeah. as well it's just yeah. not punk enough yeah it? smashed in <laughs> yamaha <laughs> that rocker yeah i think that it's kind of like oh we don't want to be like classic rock with a keyboard or something like that and it feels very sort of 70s i don't know journey or something like that and yeah. it's like, oh no we're cooler than that but then you know you get older you're kind of like oh you know it opens us up to more songs that have piano and keyboard and stuff like that and we're not worried about the image and everything especially with uh you know members losing their hair and stuff the or, musical uh, instruments are expensive let's not waste them by smashing them up yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah you're young you can't afford a huge you know keyboard setup and amps and stuff like that yeah yeah well i think mike said that he'd always kind of felt that the band were missing a keyboard anyway mm -hmm. i'm not sure anyone else necessarily <laughs> agreed with that but, uh but yeah i mean yeah a fantastic track um i wasn't like hannah um particularly into pearl jam i kind of drifted away as well but it's something that i've been getting back into and, and right act is um is a fantastic album, but it's just one of those things that when you have an idea in your head of what Pearl Jam is to you, and then you kind of drift away, as I think a lot of people did after No Code, mm -hmm. you have to kind of become reacquainted with it. And you can see some of the, you know, the old Pearl Jam and, and then, you know, you've got more punkier bits and uh, yeah, you just kind of relearn them as a, as a band and they're as, you know, fantastic as ever. So is this album one that you two have gone back to from, you know, either rediscovering Pearl Jam or has this, this one, you know, at, when it came out, you were listening to it too and just kind of followed along with it? For me, I came back to it afterwards, yeah. Yeah, no, me too, me too. So we're getting a kind okay. of a decidedly grown-up perspective on something that we <laughs> yeah, weren't, yeah. we were, I mean, I would have been in my early 20s when it came out. I'd have been in my slightly earlier 20s. <laughs> 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 but yeah it's in my car now and the kids you know my kids over anytime i put them go oh is this pearl jam again <laughs> like, yeah but yeah no by this point i was uh, like for me it was more about like the white stripes and the stripes mm -hmm. and stuff i was, I was really just gonna that. say i was proper into the strokes at the time I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing in hindsight, but uh, Kings Leon and... You and know, the Strokes, were they, were they happening yet in 2002? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they were. I think, I, I think, am I right in thinking it's the Strokes? Like, the Strokes were massive, massive Pearl Jam fans, which I yeah. didn't realise until very recently, yeah. I played You kind of listen to them, it's yeah. like, this doesn't really sound at all like Pearl Jam, I guess. But... Yeah, exactly. But they're like fanatics. Yeah. There you go. We, we knew instinctively. <laughs> <laughs> when we picked up This Is It, <laughs> we are like... We're in the right place. Um, oh, and Stone does the solo on it. I think that's one that people don't realize. such huge stone fans we love <laughs> lovely lovely stone and he does his little head his head thing it's a lot more effective when he had a lot more hair but you know he still <laughs> does it and 
<laughs> Lily's doing the little head thing. I'm doing right? it. Uh... <laughs> think of him in his little uh, kind of stomp, his kind of little yeah. know, baby dance <laughs> or something. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> His bouncy thing where he kind of pogos and the yeah, the chicken head thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like a funky pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> but chicken head walk will do. <laughs> yeah, maybe you prefer pigeon, who knows? Chicken sounds a bit worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, any anything that uh yeah, Stone has a hand in as far as Pearl Jam goes, we're we're always there for it, aren't we, Hannah? Oh yeah. We don't like to objectify, but he's the <laughs> we do. Yeah. I don't know. He and Jeff are such sort of the funk core of, of the outfit. So, um, Is there anything else about this song that you two have in your uh, copious notes? Or I just have one little fun, fun fact, mainly for, for, for Lily, really, because I know she's a fan. But it was, um, I hope I've got this right, it was recorded at Studio X, which was formerly known as Bad Animal, Animal Studio, which um, sisters Anne and Nancy Wilson of Heart owned from 1991 to 1997. Oh. Named after their 1987 album. A very nice heart so, connection, yeah. which ultimately goes that. back to Cameron Crowe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Massive fans of him too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, that's all I've got. Okay. Cool, yeah. Exactly. Throw it in there. More facts better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you, I mean, you, you could start your own Spider-Gram about it, Brandon. <laughs> you can really take off. <laughs> big, big fans of the Spider-Gram <laughs> So we'll wrap it up then. Uh, Hannah, you had your spotlight in the beginning, so we'll we'll spotlight Lily here at the end. Um, I'm going to ask you, like like Ed is asked at the end of Single Video Theory, to uh, wrap it up. Uh, Lily, what does Pearl Jam mean to you? Right. Well, um, I feel like it's they're one of the first bands that I felt a connection to just because it was so completely different. It was nothing I'd ever heard before. And that makes you feel it's a whole new start of your life. I think going from child where people are playing you something and telling you, you like it, or, you know, you listen to your parents' music. And when you have that feeling that this is, this is what I'm responding to, I'm connecting to this in such a different way. And it's sort of maybe getting in touch with your individuality sort of finding a style maybe i hate the expression finding your tribe but it it's sort of connecting you to this whole other world that you kind of grow into after that and so i think it's finding yourself and for for me to come back to pearl jam and become a fan of albums that at the time i wasn't really into is a reconnection to young me and having that kind of very pure sense of just i just love this you know and i want to hear it all the time and i want to know everything there is to know about this band and be excited about what's coming next. And so, yeah, it's a kind of a pure stripped down sense of yourself before anything else got in the way, like jobs and families and, <laughs> and bigger ambitions, you know? So just being the core you that you were when you were maybe 13 or 14. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, where, where do people need to look for you? Uh, to to hear more of you too. Right. Well, we um, we're on Anchor FM. Uh, you can find us on uh, all the usual places: Apple, Spotify, what have you. Uh, we're on Instagram a lot. Society Osmiogenics Podcast and uh, Facebook as well. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, but we're still getting a handle on that to be honest <laughs> actually to be honest we're only on twitter because of you brandon actually because you were very kind and bigged us up on twitter and we thought oh, we must right. get on this yeah. so we got on it and we've just been fucking crap <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah you can tweet us if you like yeah and we really appreciate um uh, coming on the podcast so thank you so much brandon thanks for having us
I love the podcast and uh, you two are just really like I said you 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 have all the facts and you're making connections and you know I like to make connections in the podcast too bringing it back to you know other episodes or other weird ass facts and stuff like that and just get super dorky and <laughs> nerdy and push my glasses up with my hand with my <laughs> my finger <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're a big fan of the nerd out <laughs> yeah you know I've got to say Brandon I, I really admire like your your reasons for having set this podcast up as well I think you know it's incredible how you've sort of you know pushed yourself out of your comfort zone to do this just so that you can kind of make yourself talk to strangers it's you know it's amazing and I've got to admit that and I think I'm speaking for Lily here too we were you know a little bit nervous about coming on and speaking to you know a Pearl Jam expert yeah, and knowing that, yeah <laughs> knowing that you've had you know extremely knowledgeable Pearl Jam fans on here before us um and yeah like just wanted to say bravo that's really cool Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, other people know more than me. And, uh, you know, sometimes I know some things that other people don't. And, you know, it's not about, you know, a pissing contest or something like that. It's just, you know, everybody, everybody who loves this band loves this band. And we all have our different reasons and our own different stories behind it and stuff. And, and so I, I figure this is an easy way to, to kind of get into to talking with people instead of uh, being the, the hermit that that I want to be, but know that I shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> for my own, my own sanity. <laughs> well, it's a great lesson. We really enjoy it. So thanks. Thanks very much. No, oh, thank you. That's a, in, in your podcast is real great too. We'll just go back and forth like this. It's the, the yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> the polite Britishness. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we, we haven't apologized too much as is the um, the British tradition. <laughs> Anna, did you want to? <laughs> sorry, no, if I talked a little sorry. bit too much. Or, uh, yeah. Now you hang up first. No, sorry, yeah. you hang up first. <laughs> Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by their respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P, B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guests, Lily and Hannah, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Yeah, I tell you, I don't get no regard, no regard at all, no esteem either. <laughs>